Hey, fellow Muppet fans, and welcome to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your, I'm your host, Anthony Strand. <gasps> what? Ooh. What? Wow. I, I sound way more Canadian than usual. Um, <laughs> What's going on here? So I'm your other host, Anthony Strand, and I'm very confused. Well, I, I thought that our guest was uh, our, our return guest back from last week, and uh, I was going to have him introduce himself. So now I'm curious to see what he's going to say. And I'm Grant <laughs> I'm Harding. Serious. Maybe we should do this again. I'm Grant Harding. There we go. Back again for another so, go around. Uh, Grant is uh, an old Muppet fan friend and also a very talented puppeteer. So oh, always, always happy to have him here. Um, so today we are talking about minutes 61 and 62 of the Muppets Take Manhattan, in which uh, Ralph's postcard concludes, Kermit gets a letter from a Broadway producer and goes to visit Mr. Crawford. And uh, we pick up at the very end, the tail end, if you will, of Ralph's postcard from last week, um, where all the dogs in the the kennel are crying, including Ralph. Um, so I think we kind of covered everything last time, unless either of you has anything to say about this scene of pandemonium with all the dogs howling. I do not. No. Okay. No. <laughs> so um, then uh, we transition back to Kermit reading the mail at Pete's. Uh, before we go on, I wanted to mention, I forget who this was. We had a previous guest who pointed out that in an earlier scene, Jenny was wearing a little pin on her uniform that was a, a penguin, which I had never noticed, and I had still not noticed when we recorded that episode. Uh, but in this one, I was looking for it, and she's now wearing a fish pin. So uh, I guess Jenny is, uh, she likes animals that spend a lot of time in the water. She is an aquatic and semi-aquatic animal enthusiast. Yeah, which also explains yeah. why she likes Kermit. <gasps> what? Right? That rules. That He's rules. An yeah. <laughs> so I'll, let's keep an eye to see if she changes her pin again in this movie. Um, Kermit notes that everyone is doing terrific. Uh, this is what he believes because, of course, his friends have all lied to him about how well they're doing. Uh, then Piggy has another letter which is already open. Like she's just reading this piece of paper. So apparently Piggy opened Kermit's mail, which seems a little That's, bit. It does not seem out of character though. No, no, like, it I, doesn't. I, I, I believe that Piggy opens Kermit's mail. Yeah. Well, and you know, if, if, if one of them is going to open an envelope, it has to be off camera anyway. Right. That's <laughs> right. the thing because neither of them can open mail with their little, their little rod hands. I guess Jenny could that's... have opened a letter for them, but yeah, or I mean, th- like, I think that's why they normally keep Fozzie around, right? To yeah, open so he can open letters. Well, that great joke that Kermit and Scooter did at the was it the Oscars about sometime in the eighties that Kermit and Scooter were announcing the winner of the the best animated short or something. Yeah, and they were they were going on and on about how how uh, how you know characters uh, you know animated characters can push the bounds of of reality and do impossible things. And Kermit says, "Okay, Scooter, open the envelope." And he says, "I." can't yeah that rules that's so good that's funny uh it also makes me think of uh christmas eve on sesame street where ernie and bert are exchanging presents and ernie is able to to tear the wrapping paper off of his but then 
when it's time for Bert to open his present, like he looks at it and says, hmm, should I untie it here or should I use scissors? And then it cuts to Ernie who says, Bert, just open your present. And then you just hear the sound effect of wrapping paper crinkling. And then it cuts back to Bert sitting there with his present already open because huh, you're right. Bert, and, Bert and, can't use those little hands to unwrap a present. And, and you know what? You know what? I've never thought about it. Yeah. I've been watching that special for 30 plus years. Yeah. And it had never occurred to me. They're oh, very good right. at, at these tricks. Yeah. Uh, the letter says, Dear Mr. Kermit the Frog, I would be very interested in talking with you about your musical Manhattan melodies. Please come to my office at your earliest convenience. Sincerely, Bernard Crawford, producer. So this this producer doesn't want Kermit to call him first. He just wants him to drop by, you know, whatever time of the day or night. Um, although we will find out that there's a pretty good reason that he doesn't want him to call. I, lo- I, I love that you're teasing this as though our audience doesn't know. <laughs> hey, they might have forgotten. There might be somebody who doesn't know. That's true. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So uh, Jenny is excited. She has heard of Bernard Crawford, the big time producer. Well, well, Jenny is there to assure Kermit and therefore the audience that this is not another Martin Price situation, right? Oh, like, oh yeah. Like, like, like Jenny says, I've heard of him. He's a big time Broadway producer or whatever. Yeah. So like, so like that establishes that this is for real and it's not going to be some more like Kermit failing hijinks. You know, that's a really good point because for all we know, like he could have showed up at Bernard Crawford's office and it's just Dabney Coleman again. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about this. Like, I love the idea that Dabney Coleman was, that there's a version of this movie where Martin Price is the antagonist is like the Doc Hopper style antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. There could be. Look at Rizzo peeking out behind the curtain, uh, listening to them while they talk about this. That's that's great. It's like he's returning to his his Muppet Show days, just hanging around in the background listening. Yeah, well, yeah. I was I was actually just about to say in the Marvel Comics adaptation of this movie, Rizzo is listening to them talking about Bernard Crawford, and he says, "If it's a friend of yours, it's Bernard Crawfish." Bad, so, terrible. Yeah, it really is. But it made it into the comic book. Rizzo should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Piggy suggests that maybe uh, Bernard Crawford will have Kermit sign a contract. Jenny reminds him to act confident like he knows the show is going to kill. So Kermit responds to this by uh, just kind of adapting this very cocky posture. Like, hmm, yeah, like just for a second. But it's it's very funny and some great puppet acting by Jim Henson. And then uh, Kermit thanks Jenny and gives her a kiss on the cheek. And then Kermit, yeah, you fool! Yes. Why would you do that? Right like, in front of Piggy, and then he starts so to dumb. leave. He starts to leave without even addressing Piggy. Like, yeah, he's really dumb. What is, I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, it's I. I have in my notes. Come on, Kermit, kiss the pig first. Yes, yeah. exactly. Or like, kiss the pig only. Like, right, yeah. right. Because then it's, you know, it's like you just say like goodbye, Jenny. You don't need like. What is this? Yeah, yeah, Kermit. It's like an afterthought that he then turns and says, goodbye, Piggy. And he goes in to kiss her, but she turns away from him, which is totally understandable. Yes. So, yeah, he's he's uh, not a smart frog sometimes. On his way out, Kermit almost bumps into a police officer who says, hey, watch it. And this is Elliot Gould. This is a celebrity cameo. Normally we would say, who is this person? Who is Elliot Gould? But... We've already seen Elliot Gould make a cameo in a Muppet movie before, because he the played. Movie. Yes, he played the uh, beauty pageant announcer in the Muppet movie. Well, 
And he's the only person to be in two of the like Jim Henson era Muppet movies. Right. You, you know, um, I mean, uh, uh, unless you count Big Bird and Oscar, right. Who were both in oh. previous movies and, and, and both appear in this one, you yeah. know, whatever, yeah. if you, if you want to count them, but um, I don't know that you do, but what I was going to say about Elliot Gould is I feel like in 1979, he was like still more of a movie star than he was by 1984. Sure. Like, like in the seventies, he was, you know, we talked about how he was in mash and he was in California split and all these movies, you know, in the seventies. Yeah. But like the fall after this movie came out, he started airing in a starring in a sitcom called ER, which was a hospital sitcom. Oh, yeah. E, e, e slash R not to be confused with the later nineties hit er. Um, <laughs> but it did also featured George Clooney as one yeah, of the Yeah, that's like characters. one of those like, like, fun trivia oh, questions. Wow. Yeah, that's like what that show is best known for, is that like George Clooney was also in a, a sitcom called ER in 1984. But Elliot Gould, right. was the, our, Elliot Gould was the star of that show. You know, like that was like, you know, that, you know, somewhat over the hill movie star Elliot Gould is is now starring in a sitcom, right? Yeah. Um so like that's the point he was at in his career in in this movie compared to you know ten, 10 years earlier or whatever yeah well it's in it like we've we've sort of commented on how famous some of these people are in this movie so maybe that's kind of an indicator of the caliber of movie stars in the muppet movie versus the caliber of cameo stars by the time they got to this one whereas in the muppet movie they got big movie star elliot gould and in this one they got sitcom actor elliot gould <laughs> cool right right um and i i don't know maybe maybe it's worth mentioning that uh jason alexander was also a recurring character on that show oh. M- tonight guest star jason alexander yeah i don't know maybe it's not worth mentioning but. i sure it is <laughs> Um, well, yeah, so like you said, he, Elliot Gould was the first person ever to have two cameos, cameos in two different Muppet movies, which, um, he held that title for years. And if you only count the theatrical movies, uh, there wasn't another one until Muppets from Space came out. I mean, sorry, Muppets Most Wanted came out because, uh, that one has uh, Ray Liotta, who had previously appeared in Muppets from Space, and also Zach Galifianakis, who had previously appeared in The Muppets, where Zach Galifianakis is playing the same character in both of those movies. He's Hobo right. Joe in both. So it's still a pretty short list, unless you start counting the TV movies, in which case there are a few more. You have David Arquette, Jeffrey Tambor, Mel Brooks, and Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. And, well, and, and, and weirdly, uh, it's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie. And Muppets Wizard of Oz both feature actor Dan Payne. Oh, right. Yeah. Is maybe best known, uh, certainly to my daughter, Iris, best known for playing the beast in Descendants, the Disney channel, the Disney channel musical. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think he counts as a celebrity cameo. No, because he's not a celebrity. But every time that I see the Descendants, when they show him, I'm like, oh, hey, it's Dan Payne from Muppets Wizard of Oz. Like, yeah. That's what I think of, you know? So I, uh, I always refer to that 2002 TV movie as it's a very muddy, mucky, crudsmas movie, which is, uh, which is you, Anthony. You that's me. I wrote that. <laughs> well, and like, like often on this podcast, I'll refer to it by a joke name like that. And I, that's I don't the know. best one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how that tradition started, but yes, we well, tend I, to refer I, to it I in a different t- way every time. I can tell you how that tradition started. Oh, um, please do. 
I think it's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie is a terrible title. Like I always have. It's like, too long. Well, it's it's way too long, and, and also like I know that like it's uh is supposed to be like it's a Wonderful Life, which mm-hmm. is it's a parody of, but like it it feels out of place with all that other stuff, right? Like if if that if that movie was called a a, a merry Muppet Christmas, that's fine. Yeah. If it was a very merry Muppet Christmas, sure, maybe a very merry Muppet Christmas movie, too much. It's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie. Way too what much. If, what if they had called funny. it, hey, everybody, happy holidays. Look what's under your tree. It's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie. Thank you, Santa. On DVD. Comes with O-sleeve. Um, yes. No, it's, it's, that's what I mean. So like, <laughs> oh, so that's like, a deep cut. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I feel like I'm we should explain, that. we should explain the O-sleeve, which, I think so. When it first came out on DVD, there was like this big. No, it wasn't even that though. It was it was Letters to Santa. Oh, that was Letters to Santa. Uh, when Letters to Santa came <laughs> out uh, on DVD, it, one of the the features that was touted as like a, a very special feature with Letters to Santa was an O sleeve. So uh, yeah, we had this whole thing on the Tough Pigs forum about like what the heck is an O sleeve? Why should we be excited about this? Um, and so on. Would you like? Would you like to buy an O sleeve? Like yeah. O-sleeve? Well, then, and then we Tough Pigs had a contest where you could design a cover like directly referencing the O sleeve, <laughs> which we should say the O sleeve is when a DVD comes in a cardboard box that slips right. over the main. Right, it's, it's like that's what it is. A cover it's, on whatever. top of the cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do remember that my submission to that contest was, uh, it shows a bunch of Muppets asleep, and it says. Letters to Sandman, a Muppet nap time, <laughs> fe- featuring snoozing right along and the rainbow connection. So, yeah, that movie's really bo- that movie's well, way that special is way more boring than it's a uh, Kermity Clappity Mission Impossible heist. <laughs> well, but so then going back a step, what was the so did you come up with calling it's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie ridiculously strange? Yes, yes, things? I, okay. I. I eventually just just started calling it like it's a you know Kermity Dreamity ice cream hat Christmas movie or whatever. <laughs> right. you know just like anything in the movie right it's a it's a beefy beakery Christmas movie yeah. whatever um because there's no reason for it to be called anything because it's it's a terrible title yeah <laughs> um, it's a, it's a no snowy icy something fall downy David Arquette Christmas movie well like I mean it's one of those things where I also just remember. The feeling in 2002, uh, as someone who was 14 when Mothers from Space came out and enjoyed it and still basically enjoyed it, when that movie came out three and a half years later, the first real big Muppet thing, and it was like this just like bad Grinch parody in there and a fake crocodile hunter, even though Steve Irwin was alive. Yeah, that was weird. And just like all this, just like it's like Pepe's trying to touch Joan Cusack's butt. It's like mm-hmm. his whole character arc. Is like, ugh. and I, it's I like it's weird. There, it. there, there are like really milestoney things about it. Like that was like Eric Jacobson's big, uh, big debut. Yeah, right. big debut. And, and he's really he's really good in it. To yeah. be sure, yeah. You know, and 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 I think the best thing in that movie, Fozzie gets a lot to do, and Piggy gets a lot to do. Is the is the Moulin Rouge Santa Baby thing? Mm. I think that scene is really fun. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. We'll talk about this later. But anyways, yeah, I started calling it by joke names because that's the only way to entertain myself while thinking about that movie. Because the movie doesn't entertain me. Right. 
So <laughs> that's a TV movie. That doesn't count as a theatrically released Muppet movie, but this one does. And this one has Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould is playing a cop. And this cop. one is entertaining. <laughs> yes. Elliot Gould is playing a cop who bumps into Kermit. Kermit says to the cop, I'm sorry, but I have to get a contract so I can go out and kill him. And then he runs out the door. And Elliot Gould pauses to consider this and then just kind of shakes his head and goes, nah. It's a, it's a very good joke. I think it's, it's good. that is a great joke. Yeah, great joke. And Kermit's enthusiasm, like the yeah. way that the way Kermit is so excited to say, "I have to get a contract so I can go out and kill him." Yeah. Well, and that they that they set up both of those phrases, you know, immediately before. Yes. You know, they set up contract. They set up kill him. It's perfect. Set him up, knock him down. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's very well executed. And it feels a little bit like a good, like it's, this is the sense of humor of this movie where it's still, it's still Muppety because it's a, it's wordplay and it's a misunderstanding, but it's a little bit, I don't know. It feels a little bit edgier, maybe just because it's about killing people. I don't know, but it's good. Um, so anything else then before we move on from Pete's? I was trying to read the cop's name tag and I couldn't. It looks oh. kind of like major but hmm. I don't know if I think yeah. it says, I think it says major trapper, John McIntyre. I think that's what it says. <laughs> that must be <laughs> what it says. Uh, so we then do cut to Kermit knocking on the door at Bernard Crawford's office. Uh, nice little, you know, it, it's fun to see Kermit's little hand knocking and actually <laughs> like rapping on the door because usually Kermit's hand is very floppy and, and soft, but, and, uh, and we've been here before. Right, yeah, that's right. the thing, um, I, which I always forget, but we did point this out on a previous episode, when the whole gang stopped by Bernard Crawford's office when they were going around to every producer's office in the city, and we briefly saw a young man kind of poke his head through the door, and he was watching, uh, watching the whole gang do their song with, with interest, so... Uh, what, and the next thing we see here is that young man, that same young man coming down the hall... He is holding two sandwiches and a coffee cup. Uh, the actor here is Lonnie Price. I always f- sort of have to think twice of w- whether that's his real name because somehow Lonnie Price sounds like a fictional character to me. Well, and I, th- I think also the fact that his name in the movie is Ronnie, Ronnie, which rhymes with Lonnie. Right. And Price is, of course, the last name of the other producer in the movie. Yeah. Y- you know? Yeah. So, like, it's like, I think in your mind, it's like, oh yeah, Lonnie Price is Martin Price's son Maybe. in, in Muppets Take Manhattan, you, yeah. you know? But uh, something about Lonnie Price, like it sounds like an agent from an old an old sitcom or something. Like, hey, Lonnie Price, nice to meet you. Sure. I can get you 10%. Mm. I don't know. Um, so yeah, Lonnie Price. Before this, he had mostly been a stage actor. Uh, among other things, he was in the original cast of the Broadway show Merrily We Roll Along which was produced by Hal Prince and had songs by Stephen Sondheim, both huge names in Broadway. But that was a notorious flop that closed after only 16 performances. Uh, he later became a director. Mostly he has directed Broadway and, and stage musicals. But a few years ago, he made a very good documentary about that flop musical called Best Worst Thing That Ever Could Have Happened. Speaking of clunky titles... <laughs> But the documentary is actually quite good, despite the title. That's what it, yeah, you, you know, I think about three previous guests have brought it up. Uh, yeah, I think like, so, like, yeah. And I, every time I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to watch that. And I still haven't. And yeah. I'm sure I it, would find it fascinating. Like, It's a very best, worst, 
Yeah. Right. It's a very merry, best, worst <laughs> thing that ever could have happened Christmas. Yeah. Oh, you know who else is in that? in that movie too? Yeah. You know who else is in that? Jason Alexander, who was in that same cast of that musical. And he was in the sitcom ER, but not the show, <laughs> not the, not the medical right. drama. Er, he was not in that because he was on Seinfeld at the time, and then he was on Bob Patterson, and then he was on. Keep going. Ah, um, uh, listen up. He was on Listen Up. True. The one that's the one where he played Tony Kornheiser. It was terrible. <laughs> and then. Uh, is there another one? I'm sure there is. I saw him on an episode of Kirsty. Did I tell you I was watching Kirsty, the the sitcom that Kirsty Alley and Rhea Perlman did on TV Land? Kurt, oh wow! I don't think I know this about where, this. This is not, where Kirsty Alley playing their character, like not playing their characters from Cheers. Correct. This is 2013. Kirsty Alley is is a, an aging Broadway star, and Rhea huh. Perlman is her personal assistant. So I was watching Cheers one day. And then I remembered that that show existed, so I looked it up. Michael Richards is her chauffeur. Oh. <laughs> no. For real, for real. And I watched two episodes in a row. First one, uh, Rhea Perlman's ex-husband shows up. It's George Went. Oh. Next one, uh, Kirstie Alley goes to see her agent. It's Jason Alexander with a ponytail doing a British accent. <laughs> so, bad George, show. George. Do not, do not recommend, but uh, nice to see all those people. George went from the Jim Henson Hour. Miss Piggy's Hall. Oh yeah. George went from the Jim Henson Hour. Plays Rio Perlman's ex-husband on an episode of that show, and well, it's like you know, it's like it's nice to see them together right. in 2013. Well, it, but like the script was no good, and it sounds like they were just following this the formula that worked on Hot in Cleveland, the other TV Land original, right, where like right. every single episode would have an appearance by some old sitcom star, like, and most of them literally old, like in their 70s or 80s, but... Right, right, well, and I know like that all stuff. those, I know like all those TV Land shows are like, here's some people you recognize, isn't yeah. it nice to see them, you know? Right. Um, that has nothing to do with this, I'm sorry. I'm so, <laughs> I was gonna say that Jason Alexander guest starred on Muppets Tonight, which had a recurring sketch called E-I-E-I-O-R, which was a spoof of E-R. No, it's a spoof of Er. You're thinking of oh. the drama Er. There's right. no, there's no slash. You got The sitcom was E slash R, so it's pronounced E R. Get it right. But I, I once but, yeah, uh, took a trip to New Zealand, and they were showing reruns. <laughs> they were showing reruns of uh, E R on TV in New Zealand, and they call it E R. They call it E R. E R. That's, oh, that's that, wow! It's amazing how much you sound like Melanie Linsky when you do that New Zealand accent. Oh, yeah, exactly. Sound just like her. Ah, uh, so Lonnie Price. <laughs> so he's holding. He uh, took a trip to Lonnie Price once took a trip to New Zealand. I hope so. <laughs> I hope he watched ER. <laughs> he comes in holding these sandwiches and and coffee. Um, when. My wife and previous podcast guest Stacy watches movies and TV. There's this thing that always annoys her and takes her out of a scene, which is that when a character is supposed to be carrying a full cup of hot coffee, the cup is almost obviously empty. Mm. I had not really noticed this until she started pointing it out, and now I can never not notice it. So it's it's a tradition in our right. household to when somebody's carrying coffee on screen, we both are just like, "There's nothing in that cup." Right. Well, and like you're a, you're a Gilmore Girls fan. Yeah. That show is the worst about that. Like, yeah, Alexis Fidel especially and, and, always seems to be holding coffee cups at like a forty-five degree angle. Right, right. And like, it's clear and, that there's nothing in that. And they drink a lot of coffee on that show. 
Right, exactly. And yeah. yeah, unfortunately, that's what Lonnie Price does here when he's uh, talking to Kermit. He just like tilts that coffee cup. There would be stuff spilling out of that cup. So, well, I actually for when I was a kid, because it's like a blue coffee cup. I thought yeah. it was a Dairy Queen. I thought it was a Dairy Queen Blizzard in oh, his hands. That's funny. As a child, and so like it would make sense to turn that upside down. Uh, yeah, that's what they do when they serve you the that's, blizzard. They turn it upside down <laughs> to show you how thick it is. Yeah. So um, that, like, as a kid, that's just what I assumed he was doing. Yeah. Like for I'm not kidding. Yeah. Wow. No, I, that's understandable. Um, yeah. Now that you mention he's, it, I that, saying to Kermit, "Look at this. Look at this. I can turn it right upside down." Yeah, I got. <laughs> I got far. Don't don't do that with the coffee cup though full of coffee um yeah that design of that coffee cup is like for some reason in like half the the delis and bodegas in new york city you'll get your coffee in that the blue cup with those sort of i don't know if they're like ionic columns it sort of looks uh, yeah we should i I should uh, do some research and talk about that next week because you actually you actually actually recognize the pattern on the cup that's yeah yeah that's for whatever reason that's like a (laughs) the standard coffee cup in little little new york city uh like bodegas and stuff so still I've, at, at, you know 37 years later yeah yeah i will oh. look into that for next week um but this week uh oh yeah i was just gonna say um yeah i understand of course uh that they're not gonna actually pour hot coffee into a cup and hand it to an actor to do a scene because it's gonna get cold and also like it could burn the actor's hand or they just don't want to have to be thinking about it but i don't know if i were a director i would i feel like i would want to put water in those cups at the very least or just something to make it look like there's some weight to it but that's just me (laughs) so kermit says he's looking for bernard crawford and the young man asks are you kermit the frog so i guess he's pretty confident that this frog who is standing in front of him (laughs) is in fact kermit the frog yeah how many frogs yeah has he been writing letters to other frogs yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's like some other frog getting a rejection letter from oh no from from ronnie crawford well, it it also makes me think of, we've been we've been watching the Muppet Show on Disney Plus as as everyone should, and uh, in season one there's an episode where I think it's Candace Bergen where Fozzie is is doing this running gag with Kermit where he's delivering stuff to him like, and he's he's saying wire for Kermit the Frog are you Kermit the Frog he does it in this really funny drawn out sort of way it makes me think of that yeah that's funny and then he hands him a wire hanger wire hanger yeah I didn't do the yeah. punchline yeah that's fun. Yeah. Um, I do like <laughs> the 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 corniness of the first season of the Muppet Show. Yeah, it's fun. It's 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 a different thing. It's yeah. a different kind of fun. But but I do think you kind of have to really love the Muppet Show already. Yeah. To, to go back and watch this. Yeah, I'm glad they moved on from it. But I do like those those very cheesy gags. Yeah, watch if you haven't watched the Muppet Show before, watch some from the middle first, and then mm-hmm. and then watch the first first season. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. So. This the guy says I'm uh, Mr. Crawford, and then he tries to explain away the sandwiches by saying the office boys out to lunch. You know, kids these days they're always eating lunch. And <laughs> yeah, Kermit asks if they should meet in his office. The guy says no. He says they should sit down over on the stairwell. Kermit points out that he's very young for a producer, and he starts to try to bluff Kermit, but then. He just says, no, the thing is, see, I'm not Bernard Crawford. I'm Ronnie Crawford. I signed his name to the letter because I didn't think you'd come otherwise. But I want to produce a show on Broadway. And it's interesting yeah. 
that Kermit, I had never really put this together before, but Kermit, who has twice now attempted to get his show produced by misrepresenting himself to people, now he's in this position where where uh, Ronnie Crawford has misrepresented himself to Kermit to get him to come. That's true. But, but hey, guys, he wants to produce his show on Broadway. I mean, the mo- movie's over. Yeah. Roll credits. <laughs> That's it. That's it. The end. The movie doesn't end with the show being produced. It ends with the idea that it might be. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was the end? We don't get to see any of Manhattan Melodies on stage or anything. It's just, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. And they shake hands and that's the end. Okay. The end. Uh, so then they go over to the stairs and sit down. There's this neat little, uh, editing trick where in the first shot they're walking along, Kermit drops out of the frame and there's this little sound effect of him sitting down and then it cuts to the next shot and Kermit is now sitting on this top step with, you know, we see his whole body, presumably Jim Henson sticking his arm up through a hole in the floor. So I, I just like... This is a great thing about watching it two minutes at a time is that you start to appreciate moments like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, I mean, it's, this really shows that this is a set too. If there's a hole in the floor. Oh yeah. Like it has it, to be. It, it Up until now, they could have been shooting this in a real you know, hallway, but uh, yeah. And I don't, but they're not going to drill a hole in the floor. So it's gotta be a set. Yeah. This was filmed at a studio called empire. I think empire stages, which as far as I know, no longer exists. Or at least not under that name in uh, in New York City. So, yeah, they they must have had to build a lot of these sets uh, specifically for puppeteers to be able to stick their hands out in various places. So that's really all I have. Um, any final thoughts about this clip, Grant? Starting with you, uh, is that the Empire State Building in the in the background when they sit down through the window? Um, there is a skyscraper. I didn't. Or is it the Eiffel Tower? I think <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's the Empire Stage Building, which is where they shot this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it's the Empire State Building. Okay. I'm not sure if it's a real, you know, it's presumably a backdrop. It could be a real skyscraper. It could be just something that somebody painted. Um, yeah, no, that's not, but I don't recognize it. Also, look at, look at, look at Ronnie's little bow tie. That's great. Uh, <laughs> yes, he is wearing a, a nifty little bow tie. That's so darling. Not sure how fashionable that was in 1984, but good for him. He's he's a sharp looking guy. Yeah, Lonnie Price. My only other note was was actually from uh, from back at Pete's. Uh, you're talking about editing tricks and puppet. Well, more puppet tricks in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the clip, Kermit's holding a postcard in his right hand. And then he actually he puts it down. His hand goes out of frame and then comes back up and he doesn't have a postcard anymore. Oh. So it must have not actually been attached to his hand. They must have just been holding it at the bottom. Yeah. I always wonder how they do stuff like that. Cause... And then when he takes the letter from Piggy, it's in his left hand and he must have had – I mean, we obviously he had, he had a second copy of that. He had, a, he had that piece of paper in his hand the whole time and it was just off, right. off screen. Huh. And – Actually, the part where he says, sincerely, Bernard Crawford, you can very briefly see both letters at once. Oh, wow. Just a tiny bit of the, the extra one peeking into the bottom of the shot. Is that's that funny. right? Oh, that's great. I love that. Huh. Yeah, that's definitely not su- not something we were supposed to see. No, and I, I didn't notice until huh. watching it for this. So. 
Yeah, that's funny. Wow. Yeah, and I guess how do they? So his his fingers must be uh, articulated. Um, I always forget the name of the thing that goes inside the fingers. Armature. Ar- armature. 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 Um, yeah. So like, presumably they can just kind of flex and and pose his fingers so he can hold the letter. I guess if it's not like affixed to his hand somehow, it could be actually glued or something. Yeah. Would they? Would they glue a letter to Kermit's hand? Pinned. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Taped. Double-sided tape. That might be it, yeah. Takes a lot of these little decisions to make a Muppet movie. So, uh, Anthony, any final thoughts on this clip? Well, the only thing I wanted to talk about, and maybe we can save this for next week. We'll have a different guest who might have Lonnie Price thoughts. Uh, But we haven't mentioned that he was in Dirty Dancing, which I feel like is his other big movie credit. Who was he in Dirty Dancing? He's like the guy that Jennifer Grey's parents want her to date. Right. Oh. He's, he's He's like the acceptable Jewish boy. In, yeah, in yeah. Oh, I gotta keep yeah. my eyes open for that next time I watch it. Yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have glasses on, so he looks pretty different. Mm. Yeah, I guess he's a little bit less sort of <laughs> dorky in that than he is here. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, he's very he's good. very endearing in, in this. Oh yeah, he's, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, Grant, we like to ask our guests. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? What's your history with it? And uh, how would you rank it alongside the other Muppet movies? For sure. Um, I don't think I actually saw this one until high school. Hmm. Um, but for a long time, this was my favorite Muppet movie. And it was, it was actually because of the, the sort of, you know, we've, you've talked on the, on the podcast before about how this one is sort of more, has more realism. It's more grounded than the other ones. Yeah. And I actually mm-hmm. liked it a lot for, for that reason. I, I thought, well, you know, if this is an origin story for the Muppets, first of all, it's a more realistic story than, you know, you show up at at at, uh, at Lou Lord's studio in Hollywood and say, can we have a rich and famous contract? And he says, here you go. It's, yeah. it's much more realistic to be, to be uh, you know, out uh, pounding, the, pounding pavement. the pavement and not succeeding. Right. And it, it, this movie also makes more sense as an origin story for the Muppet show, because that at least nominally is a stage show, hmm. right? They didn't, yeah, the Muppets didn't point. make it big and they didn't make it big and immediately start making movies. They made it big and, and made the Muppet show. Yeah. So I kind of liked it for those sort of, it, it kind of, you know, made a little more sense to me. Nowadays, I much prefer surrealism. I want things to start talking and singing that, that shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, so this one's actually towards the the bottom for me now, but I still I still love it. It's I mean they're all great. Sure. Uh, one thing about it, I I don't know if it's the lighting or the film stock or wh- I don't know have enough of a technical vocabulary to know what's like. There's a real different quality to the to the colors or something from the others. Like the hmm. if you look at Floyd and Janice, their foam skin just looks wonderful. Huh. It I definitely like the the Muppet movie for whatever reason film stock or whatever is is kind of grainy like that one looks the worst visual like just the 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 look of the film but um yeah I guess I the Muppet have, the Muppet movie the Muppet movie yeah it's just yeah well it's that it's that it's 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 that gritty seventies look you know I get I mean I don't know how it, deliberate that it looks, was it, it looks does like look the like French Connection like. Right. I don't know if they yeah. if they said, okay, we're going to make our Muppet movie look like the French Connection, but um, but I just think every I just think everything did. 
in the seven. Like like, like Rocky be. looks like that, which is a yeah. crowd please, you know? Yeah. Like Yeah, but I guess I hadn't thought as much about the, the look, the specific look of this one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's all. Yeah. All right. Well, um, if there's nothing else, then we can wrap things up for this week. Uh, everybody, please make sure you check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, and everywhere. Uh, thanks to Morgan Davy for our logo and Stacy Rosen for our theme music. Uh, you can write to us, uh, tell us what you think about this episode, these minutes, or future minutes. Uh, by sending us an email at along at toughpigs.com to let us know what is on your mind. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Grant, remind listeners where they can find you and your work on the internet. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you can see my, my puppets at uh, my website, theabstractions.com. And uh, you can see my, my puppets and my pet budgie by following me on Twitter, Instagram, and or TikTok at Abstract Grant. And uh, last time I uh, I plugged my my Star Wars video, so this time I'll plug uh, my uh, puppet show that is a work in progress called Channels. You can see some clips from that on uh, my YouTube and, and all my social media. And it's a puppet show where a guy watches TV and stuff comes out of the set and attacks him. It's very Jim Henson hour sort of inspiration. Yeah, it is. It is very cool, and yeah, definitely some some Henson influences. So everyone should seek that out for sure. And uh, thank you for joining us once again. And uh, listeners, if you don't mind, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can do that. And please tell everyone that you've ever met in your life about this show. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye.